Captain. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. And we would like to again thank Dave Schultz from Locked On Sunbelt for joining us for part one of the three-part series on the state of Louisiana athletics. And since we're getting into the new year, we decided to combine parts two and three into one episode. So in this episode, we will talk about the current and future state of Louisiana football and basketball. But before we get to that, We want to thank our sponsors. So after this quick break, Jerry will lead us in those conversations. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining Raging Review for another weekly episode. We'd just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is, you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Ragent Review podcast. Also, a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and more. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. 
Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Kali Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cajuns and especially the Raging Review Podcast. We're going to go back to football. Um, I know everybody's been just waiting to hear what our thoughts are, and I know we talked a little bit about it, so we don't want to rehash it too much with Dave. But real quickly, guys, um, again, Arnell carries New Orleans Bowl, Cajuns drop. Uh, you know, a heartbreaker in overtime to Jacksonville State in front of a crowd of 14,485 fans, probably the one of the lower attended crowds uh, in the New Orleans Bowl history. I believe uh, Louisiana sold 900 tickets, if I'm not mistaken, through the university. The rest were bought off of, uh, of other uh, ticket sites. Um, just some stats here real quick. I know we talked about it before, but Total offense, JSU had 200 or 527 yards of total offense. Cajuns had 247. Uh, like you said earlier, Josh, Cajuns committed or, or forced four turnovers. Uh, Jacksonville State didn't force any. Cajuns had three defensive touchdowns and yet still lost the game. Um, the record since 2021, uh, since we held up the New Orleans Bowl trophy the last time, uh, our official record. 12 and 14 overall, seven and nine in conference play. I, I I know in the post game we we were very everybody's obviously upset. I know that there's a little bit of um apathy with this program, and I know fans are very, very impatient. I'm just gonna give you my input on where I think the program is headed. I personally think Coach Dez gets another year to prove himself. As Dave mentioned, we, you know, depending on what happens in the portal, if we get enough players back, uh, it's a tough schedule next year. I hope that we can at least compete and win eight or nine games. Um, but unless, and I've said this many times before, guys, unless Coach Dez makes some internal changes and, uh, and, and shakes up the coaching staff a little bit, I don't see much changing next year. I mean, we've made the same mistakes this year that we made last year. Uh, a lot of our losses came off of a bunch of um, just careless mistakes in many cases in, in, in some instances. I think there were at least three games on our schedule that we lost that we should have won based off of just a lack of fundamentals and execution. So I think next year is make it or break it. What do you guys think? Well, um, I, I think – I. Yeah, I mean, we said that before the season started, that he's got three years. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. Um, you're going to have some fans that say fire Des. It's not going to happen. We can, That conversation is gone. We're not even going to entertain it. Is next year the do or, do or die year? Absolutely. And I don't know if seven wins makes me happy, Jerry, because seven wins 
get you into a bowl game, but then you go, okay, so let's say you lose that game, then you go seven and six instead of six and seven. Um, or you win, you get eight wins, but you're eight and six, but have you really shown improvement? I mean, I'm looking at, I'm not just looking at the overall record. I'm looking at conference record. And the fact that we were three and five in conference this year. And when we looked at our schedule, we said, man, we got Arkansas State. We got Old Dominion. We looked at all these teams that were like, okay, that's a minimum eight win season. And you go six and seven. That That is seriously underperforming. Now, I know Dave said you had injuries. And again, I go back to conditioning. I feel like there are things we can probably, I mean, look at the Saints. We've been saying for years, all these, all these guys every single year get injured. And it seems like nobody ever heals, right? And I'm not saying that we have uh, uh, an issue like that, but you feel like if guys are better conditioned than some of these injuries, maybe, like Dave was saying, hamstring injuries. That's something that you can look at and you can get a better medical staff on and, and figure that out. So I think conditioning needs to improve. I think, obviously, like you said, coaching needs to improve and changes need to be made. I think we're seeing that. Like Josh said earlier, and like I kind of figured is when you start seeing these coaches go to other programs and you look at at the positions that they're coaching and the things that we're complaining about all season, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe there's something there, right? So um, don't read too much into the coaching changes as other teams are, are stealing our coaches. I think, I think changes are kind of in the works, but I think there needs to be a significant change of defensive mindset whether it's with Lamar or without Lamar, there has to be a significant change of mindset there. And then offensive play calling, I think needs that needs to go to someone else. And we saw it at Southern Miss, and we saw the results that you got from doing that. Des is enough to worry about. I think he needs to worry about being a head coach and not being an offensive coordinator. It works for some people, right? Doesn't work for everyone. And not saying that it's a failure, just saying let's let's try something new. Because seven, six and seven, two years in a row, something's got to change there. And I think, and and I, oh. before you go, Jerry, I just want to say, because Bryce just said this one month ago, we we're in position to contend for the conference title, right? And then we go and lose to Southern Miss, and then we go and lose to Arkansas State, and then we lose to Troy, who we should have been in our minds competing that game for the Western Division. And what do we do? We lost all three games. That that's got to change. We're not in the in the SEC. We're not, you know, we're we're expectations have been been have risen and we should live up to those expectations. I'm not saying that you have to win a championship every year. I'm saying you have to be in the conversation and competing in in late season for a chance to go into the championship game. We failed that two years in a row. Yeah, I was going to say with the play calling, if you look at a lot of head coaches around the league, whether it's in college or in the NFL, a lot of your head coaches like your Mike McCarthy's, your Sean Payton's, uh, your Doug Peterson's, um, I mean, I guess even in the college level, like a Jimbo Fisher, what do they all have in common? Uh, Even Billy, right? What do they all have in common? They've been play callers before at that level, right? Mike McCarthy was an offensive coordinator for the Saints. Uh, I forgot where Doug Peterson was an OC at, but I know he was a play caller before. Uh, Jimbo was a play caller down in Baton Rouge. You had Billy that was a play caller at both Clemson and Arizona State. Um, So I think that's the difference of the play caller. The play calling, I think, in just my opinion, we need to find a a head coach, or not a head coach, but an offensive coordinator 
Sorry, <laughs> an offensive coordinator. Is that a Freudian slip, Jerry? Are you? <laughs> no, it, no, I'm not. I'm not ready. Again, I'm not ready to make a change at head coach yet. Please don't freak out about that. I, I still think Des should get another year, but I think Des should find somebody to who has experience, whether even if it's at the FCS level, just enough experience to be able to call plays to take a lot off of off of his chest, a lot of his off of his responsibilities. Because I think, and you saw it with Will Hall. Will Hall gave up play calling duties probably in the last three or four games, including against us. And he finished the season like two and one or something like that, or two and two where he was competitive in those games that he fell short in. And so I think that would make a big difference if he can do that. I mean, I think that would be a, that would be huge for, for, for Des. So what you got, Josh? Look, I want to just say that, you know, we have a lot of fun here. Like we have a lot of fun on Rage and Review and, and whatever. But this is a serious matter. If we all, we all love this program. If you love this program, you got to really sit and evaluate what you've been watching for two years. And what I've seen is we've gotten worse in positions. And when you evaluate, you have to be honest with yourself. And uh, look, this is not easy. This is dirty work. And we come on here, and we're literally the only voices talking about these things in our program. And people get mad, and player moms get mad, and, you know, the 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 money people get mad and they you know they, they say shit on Twitter whatever. I don't care if you get mad. I've been here thirty plus years. I'm gonna be here thirty more years. So you're just gonna have to deal with me because if you're not willing to say the truth, some of us are. I'm one of those people. So let's look at where we've gotten worse. Special teams, not good enough. There needs to be a change or a, a serious come to Jesus meeting in special teams. Luke Pascal seems like a nice guy. But I don't love the track record, and what I've seen for the last two years, not good enough. Got to be a change. Cornerback coach is gone. That needs to be a point of, of significance in this hire. Like uh, you, you really got to focus in and get somebody qualified, and we got to get back to being physical, hard-nosed corners, which takes me back to the defense overall, unprepared. The preparedness of our defense has been a joke for two years. That's on the guy who runs the defense. I'm saying this as somebody who rode for Lamar to be our defensive coordinator. I totally got that wrong. I'll be the first one to say it. Needs to be a change. Flat out. He's in over his head. Got to make a change, period. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hope somebody, I hope somebody didn't get upset about that. I'm sure it will. Don't care. Needs to be a change. Um, go Wide receiver coach. Wide receiver as a whole, uh, wide receiver room as a whole is young. Totally understand that. But Peter's not young. Uh, Jacob Bernard is not young. The routes were sloppy. The decisions were sloppy. Breaking off of routes, helping out quarterbacks. We got to be better on the wide receiver core. It's just absolutely, look, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember who the wide receiver coach is. Do y'all remember? It's Tim Leger. I thought Tim was the passing game coordinator. Me too. So anyway, whoever's at wide receiver coach needs to hear that. It's got to be better. It's not good enough. We're not developing like we should. We're young. We've got talent. We got to develop. We've got to develop better. Uh, again, I said Coach Norrid leaving the program is a huge loss. The offensive line continued to show improvement. I hate the fact that we continued to get injured. But last year we played something like eleven or twelve offensive linemen. So these guys should have been ready for that. And look, I like Fordham a lot at center. I know we're losing a couple of guys that to to uh, you know probably the draft or whatnot. Gilly. But we, we are gonna we have the talent to reload. Caden's gonna play more. We've got guys coming in that can play, and they've got plenty of snaps under them. The the offensive line coach is gonna be huge as well. So we'll you know we'll see about that. Uh, strength and conditioning coach need to make a change. Not good enough. 
We're soft. We're not nearly as athletic. We get hurt too much. Got to be a change. Not good enough. Sorry, Coach Neighbors. It is what it is. It's the business, bottom line business. Not good enough, period. That's it. Uh, all the way back to de details have been a problem for two years. Nobody's going to argue with me on that. Bad penalties, not knowing where the hell to be, not it's honestly going back down to the scheme and the offensive game plan. I thought we were keeping all these coaches to keep the culture in place and keep everything rolling. Well, we've totally abandoned the screen game, like Dave mentioned. Where the hell is the screen game when you just had a really, really, really good and experienced tight end room? Nothing. You have several backs that can run uh, the screen game really well. Nothing. You had an off, the right side of your offensive line was as athletic as it's been here uh, the last five or six years. There's no drop-off. Where's the screen game? That's got to change. And that is on Mike. And like I said, I'm a Mike guy. I support Mike. I think he should get another year. At the end of the day, six and seven is not falling off of a cliff. I'll be the first one to say that I am not at all happy with how far we've fallen since the top 20 ranking. Don't get me wrong. However, you don't press the panic button on a six and six. You, you become concerned and you start hollering and screaming like we are. But the head guy's got to get better too. And Mike, the competitor that he is, will be the first one to say the same thing himself. He has got to improve. Whether that is delegating his responsibilities, I don't know. I mean, if he's a Napier type that wants to call plays, I mean, he's the head coach. He gets paid to, to, to coach. That's his call. The fact of the matter is, details start at the top. The details at the top need to be very clearly communicated and be a point of emphasis in the offseason and going into to a fall ball. The guy at the top's got to get better, just like these position coaches got to get better. I don't know what we're going to lose in the portal. I still think we're very talented across the board. We had a local guy, local radio guy today, on one of the local radio shows talking about how Jacksonville State was more talented than... What in the hell are these people watching? Like, do they watch the football games? That team was not more talented at any position than we were. It is a complete and total lazy take to say Jacksonville State was more talented than we were across the board, across the roster. They were FCS two years ago. Stop. Well, last year, actually. Last year. You know, it's a good, some, sometimes I think it's a good thing that we're losing these local sports guys. That's just, just a horrible, lazy take. Uh, anyway, hopefully we can, can, we can maintain the core youth that we have because we have the talent. But we need to make major position changes. We need to shake it up. And the bottom line is Mike's got to get better. And there needs to be a meeting between Maggard and Mike. We got we to get some clarity here. What do we expect? Uh, somebody's got to start putting pressure on people in this administration and going down to the coaching staffs. Uh, and we'll go into basketball in a minute, but as far as football goes, this is not good. Two years removed from a top 20 ranking in the Sun Belt Conference Championship, and we lose to teams like Southern Miss who couldn't get out of their own way on their third-string quarterback. We don't even show up for Arkansas State, and then we get boxed by Jacksonville State after we have three defensive touchdowns and win the turnover battle by four. I mean, there's nothing you can say about that. It is what it is. Sometimes you need to hear it and soak in it. I think I think the silence is deafening when you're walking out the Superdome after that overtime loss, and it is dead silence walking out of that concourse with nothing but just upset Cajun fans. And and that was that was it was eerie. It was eerie. I mean, I was the only one screaming. I was the only one flipping out because I'm just the whole time I'm walking back to the car going, we just lost to an FCS call-up, and we just guaranteed our second straight losing season. Look, the reality is simple, and, and we'll say this about football, we'll say this about basketball. A wise coach once told, once told me, okay, a head coach is meant to do two things. 
one part a one part b one part a is to compete and win championships all right that's part a part b is competing and winning championships by doing it right okay so that's what that's what we that's what they're here to do they're here to win championships and compete and win championships and doing it the right way making sure the players are eligible eligible making sure they're going to class and all that other stuff so that's where i think that meeting you're talking about josh and i know dr maggard and mike's going to meet they're, they're going to talk but at the end of the day the question's probably going to be asked in the room what are we doing to get us back in contention for to compete for that championship what are we doing to get us back in contention to be able to play for that trophy that we won two years ago at cajun field and until like dave said until we reach that point and and compete for that Western division title, which means if you win the West, you compete for that championship. If nothing changes, look, the fan base, the, a lot of, there's a lot of fans that have both feet out. There's a lot of fans that are done. And look, Jerry, look, and, and to build on that. Okay. There's, there's work that needs to be done by Des. I think we've, we've talked about that ad nauseum, but Maggard has to find a way. And regardless of, of anything, I don't want to say the administration. I'm going to put this on Maggard because he's the leader of athletics. He has got to find a way to connect with the community. And I don't care what the record is. You, again, you cannot control what happens on the field. Now, we can control that by hiring new coaches, et cetera. And, but in the end of the day, the, the games are played for a reason. You can have the best coaches in the world, the best players in the world, and still lose to ULM. It's a fact. Weird things happen. But to counter that, you have to, again, connect with the community. Dave said it. 500,000 surrounding area of 500,000 people in the surrounding area. And we're drawing 1,100 to basketball and less than 10,000 to to football. So... This is not just on 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 Des. This is on Maggard. He has got to figure it out. And he didn't figure it out when we were ranked 25th in the nation. Right? Now, you can blame COVID. You can blame TV. You can blame this and you can blame that. COVID hasn't been a thing for a couple of years. So throw that argument out the window. ESPN Plus isn't a thing for Appalachian State. Not a thing for Georgia Southern. Guess what? Georgia Southern, they underperformed this year. Guess what? They had 27,000 people in their stands every every single Saturday. But we just sit back and said, well, can't do it. The, 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 the classic, well, you know, throw your hands up. Well, they just don't want to come. So this is not just an indictment. The state of the program and where we are right now in football is not just an indictment on, on Des. It's an indictment on Maggard. And I like Maggard. And I, do I think he's the right guy? Yes, I think Maggard is the guy. But Maggard's got to show us something, too. It's it's definitely a two-prong approach. You got to have success on the field and you got to have success with connecting to the community. And we've not done that. I've not seen that since since HUD's been here, honestly. Since HUD's been here, we've not connected with the community. And we had more people in the stands losing against Western Kentucky and those types types of teams than we did you know playing Troy at home last year or South Alabama for our, our homecoming last year or any game this year, they're just not showing up. And that's not about results on the field because we, we had bad results on the field and still had better crowds. 
So this one lies on Maggard. Two-prong approach. Success on the field, connecting with the community. Can we you know, spend some time on that? Can we spend? Yeah, yeah, because I, I just want to say real quickly before you go, Josh, mm -hmm. Ricky Bustle's last season, we probably averaged around 15,000 in the stands. The fan base was done with the nine years, even though, you know, look, to this day, I think history has been pretty kind of Coach Bustle. I think he, you know, he took a program with nothing and was able to build it up and help mold it into what it is today through, you know, of course, Coach Hud built on it and, you know, or built it up from there and, coach coach Napier did the same thing and we're hoping Mike can do the same as well but I saw a similar pattern during Bustle's last coach Bustle's last game against FIU it was senior night and they claimed that there were 13,000 people there which they were probably like 10 maybe 10,000 it was against FIU they lost the game and they finished the season three and nine and again I, I find a lot of parallelism to basically where we are today after that three and nine season well in comes coach hud and the first thing he says in this press conference when he gets hired is man i i know this man this program's like a ticking time bomb that's all i hear this program's like a ticking time bomb and well let me tell you something we're here to light the fuse and i need you to bring uh, everybody the cajun nation i want to talk to you directly i i want you to get two of your friends and i want two of those friends to bring two more friends and two of those friends to bring two more friends and two of those friends to bring two more friends, like a pay it forward model to bring people to the game and engage. And then on top of that, what was coach Hud doing his first two or three months, you saw he and his wife and his kid around eating at the local restaurants, saying hello to people, kind of being out and about in the community, going to certain, re like certain uh, bars and things like that. And then during the nightlife and, People saw him and people engaged with him. And you know what he would do? He would stop and shake everybody's hand. He would stop and say hello. He would stop and small talk. But one thing he made sure he, that that he would do is not only be seen, but then tell people, hey, come to Cajun Field, come check us out. Even to some of the Tiger fans, he would tell them, man, if y'all aren't playing on Saturday, y'all come check us out at Cajun Field. And look at what happened. We averaged 30,000 people that year. Against that at the to a, during a time where we hadn't had a winning one, we had one winning season in 2011. Up until that point, we had had one winning season, a six and five record in 2005. It was one winning season in 16 years, and look at what we did. Why? Because the new head coach, which by the way, in 2011, going into that season, we were picked to, to finish dead last in college football, if y'all remember. But we still brought 30,000 people because you had a coach who engaged with the community and said hello and shook hands and, and visited from table to table when he would eat at a restaurant. He would sit at a bar and talk with people and, and just he, he had that personal touch and it drew people to the games without even knowing if we would win or not. That's what we need to get back to today. That's the grassroots outreach we need to get back to today. Go ahead, Josh. We need to talk about Maggard, and I'm glad it came up. It's a it it I I again when when Mike Alden came in and and he was chosen, I was bullish on Maggard. I defended him when people started to question a lot of the things he was doing. That that's over. The the honeymoon is over. Nico Yanko, Nico Yanko left this program a couple of years ago, and we have gone nothing but down, 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 down. I've got people asking questions to me, and now I'm starting to ask the question, was Nico Yanko the brains behind this entire thing? Because remember, when Magra was installed, Nico didn't come right away. There was a lull there. Not a whole lot went on. And now that Nico's gone, and his A squad has gone all over the country, 
It's been really bad. We're, I mean, we are literally the, things have not been this bleak in this program since 2007, 2009. Like we're way before HUD with interest with football and basketball are two most important revenue generating streams. We got nothing, no interest, apathy, horrible. So we need to start asking questions about Brian Maggard. And before everybody says, well, he hired Napier and he hired Glasgow and he had, look, Matt Deggs was the easy choice to take over this baseball program. All Brian had to do was get the money right. And he did to his credit. He did. He listened to the people around him and he got the money right. He gets credit for that. He got the Christy great, uh, higher right and that seems like it's going to be okay we've been okay even though we were ranked under heather mazeda's font no just saying so christy carried that on i'm not knocking christy at all but that's a good hire glasgow i'll give 100 percent credit to maggard uh for because i mean he went out did his homework national search the whole thing we got that right and honestly getting off of the low t thing was a disaster so you know he gets credit for that lance key disaster retaining bob marlin disaster billy napier they had a contract written up for brent pry and y'all and look, people can say all they want about me saying we were going to hire brent pry i don't care what you say the contract was written until brian got a phone call from nick freaking saban all right nick saban called brian and basically told him he was an idiot if he didn't hire billy napier well, actually, I want to say Penn State countered, too. Um, they kept Brent Pry there as a defensive coordinator. They countered with a higher pay, I believe. Well, the point is, is that the decision yeah. had been made at the highest level. We're going to hire this guy. And then the last minute, and thank God he called. I mean, look, Napier was a, was a godsend for us. But the point I'm, I'm making is, is the decision was made to make the hire. So that would have been a disaster. Look what happened with Brent Pry when he got the opportunity. Wasn't good. So there have been some hires that he hit. And there have been some disaster. Look at our calf. We're 0 for 3. He hired Lee DeLeon, which was a complete and total disaster. Almost got us in freaking legal trouble. And then we've got this guy uh, that's in there now. I've never heard him speak. I don't even know if he can speak. That's a maggot hire. All this big money that Nico was working on when, before he went to Murray State, that's dried up. Now, I understand that the focus is on the stadium. I get that. I'm just saying the money's kind of stopped rolling in. So we're talking about Maggard, who has done some good things, but we're trending in the wrong direction with the AD at this point. And I, I hope that more people would put pressure on the AD office because for far too long, there was no pressure. It was an absolute party here for him. He was a golden child, could do no wrong. Well, I can point to a lot of wrong that's been done out of the AD's office, especially if you go back to uh, coming off of a 13-win streak in football, the longest in the country, we did absolutely no hiring after we had major defections. We did absolutely no marketing going into the next season when we were going to hire a local guy. We did nothing, 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 nothing. And you can tell me we can't uh, hire uh, people in support roles because we can't afford them. BS, man. If you don't have a money, if you don't have a money slush fund to to market or hire support or do what you got to do in order to promote your programs, you don't have a damn business. You have no business in having a program Gosh, if you can't promote it. We promote the program. For free. We do it on our own time, not getting paid with no money almost every day. You can't tell me that people on staff can't promote the program better than we can. Are you kidding well, me? They don't like us, though. That's the problem. They, they don't like us because they don't like the ideas and they want to take credit for the ideas and they don't like it when we do segments like this, when we question the AD because, God forbid, we tell the truth. But, but this is where we're at with the AD. 
the AD needs to be held accountable. He's a paid professional by us to do a job. The job is not being done properly. In his opening introduction speech, he said, the Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for the community, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel like this community is proud of the Raging Cajun basketball and football team right now? Look at, look at the attendance. I'm going to go with no based on the attendance numbers. So he's, it, it, you can't go out and say that Bob Marlin has a 75% winning percentage two times and then say, oh, I made a mistake. That's a gigantic mistake. You cannot do the propaganda game that y'all want to do where everything is positive, positive, positive to a point where it's North Korea-level propaganda. You know, CCP-level propaganda where everything is wonderful, rainbows. Well, in fact, you can't put 800 people in the dome when you play a D1 opponent in basketball. You average 16,000 people over two seasons when you just hired a local guy to coach your football team. There are too many people not saying what needs to be said across... I mean, hell, we've lost all of our media outlets, so nobody's talking about it. But I'm talking about in the Rebounders Club and in the, in the Quarterback Club and the people around the program. It's like nobody wants to talk about what's really happening. Sweep it under the rug and hope nobody notices. That is why our, our fans have been chased to, to high hell. Nobody's around. Nobody cares. We're in the worst possible position we can be in where people aren't even mad enough to talk about it. Instead, you got the coach's wife arguing with the damn fans on social media. And we wonder why we can't get people to come to our events. It's, it's a joke. It's embarrassing. But nobody talks about it. Well, Josh, uh, you go and, and back. I mean, you look at when Maggard came over. Who did he bring over, right? People associated in Missouri. We had almost a Missouri staff when he came over. Still have a lot of Midwesterners. We do. And, and... The the difference to me was you still had that core of old school. I mean, you had John Duga, you had Jess, you had people from the area in important. You had Fabes, you had Matt Abair, you know, it, and and we still have a Matt Abair, and we still have have a couple of people, but most of those have gone. And what I don't find what and and this. This may be a disconnect from Martin Hall and, and, and athletics. I don't know because I understand there's a big disconnect there right now. But after people like like Nico left and like Connor left and, and uh, we had Rob who was doing, you know, he came from Texas A&M. He came from a big school. When we had those people leave, the, the backfilling of those positions has not been at all impressive. Horrible. Right. And... And add to that, like you said, not only is the backfilling of those positions not great, but we're not even backfilling some of those positions. So again, I don't know. I don't know if that's a funding issue for Martin Hall. I don't know if that's just, you know, th there's there's so much when you start digging into the the root of all of this. We put so think about. Do you remember when when we had? Uh, the band, you remember when Dr. Melly came over and the yes. band was huge. It was awesome. Yeah. You know why? Because we got embarrassed because yeah. Southern came to our house mm -hmm. and embarrassed us. Southern went out and did a Michael Jackson thing, which filled 40,000 people in the stadium and everybody was there to see Southern. And, and Dr. Savoy said, you know what? We're going to pay for more scholarships and we're going to build a band. And they well, did. They got Melly that, and they made it exciting. And it was amazing. Okay. That game. That game, that Southern game in 2009, Southern does a Michael Jackson tribute. The entire band dances to Thriller. It was right after Michael Jackson had passed. Do you know what our halftime theme was? Right, having to Sounds follow that? Sounds of Spain. Sounds of Spain, a tribute to Spain, correct. 
It happened again on Saturday. It happened again on Saturday with Jacksonville with Jacksonville State's band. And why why was it Sounds of Spain? Because the band took a trip to Spain. You know why they took a, a trip to Spain? Because the band director's partner was from Spain. So I guess they wanted to go visit. But that's not here nor there. So we got embarrassed. And Dr. Dr. Savoy made a change and got Melly here, who was from TSAB, but did a hell of a job. I mean, we changed our whole entrance. We made it exciting. We still Guys use were it. jumping right. We still use it to this day. And then after Melly left, it's like, oh, well, you know what? We're gonna fold our hands and just go back to the old ways. Hey, remember when we wanted to send the band to the Texas game? Do y'all remember this? Yeah. So Rage and Review gets in touch with the new band director, Mizel, Mizel, whatever his name is, and we tell him, hey, we're going to fundraise for you. We're going we're gonna to pay to send the band to Texas because we didn't think it was fair not to send our band to Texas to, when we played Texas under Napier. He writes back and goes, thanks, but we're okay. We're not going. Didn't even, wasn't, wasn't even interested in the conversation, let alone, like, how are you guys going to do it? You know, here's what it costs. Nothing. He wasn't interested whatsoever. So, so that's just, I mean, that's just one example of, of, of the, the, the mountain of things that have changed since we really look at what happened when we decided to put money behind football. We paid Napier. We paid the assistants. We paid for more band members. We got out in the community and we had success and we were ranked in top 25. And then it's almost like when Napier left, we remembered who we were. Oh, well, guess, oh, well, that was fun, but you know, we're really this. Don't forget who we are. And we went back to mediocrity being accepted. And that is why you and me and and everyone, that's why us three are here tonight and every freaking week for free. For Because it might sound like bitching and moaning, but somebody has to hold people accountable. And I'm not saying we're changing the world with athletics at all. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I know they laugh at probably 90% of what I say, and that's fine because I laugh at 100% of what I say. But the point is, we're saying what nobody else has the testicular fortitude to come out publicly and say. And while we may make some enemies in the process, we're doing it from a, a perspective of we're a voice of the fans and we're passionate about this program and we've been here longer than most of the people in charge. And so when, when we come out and say things like, Maggard, you're just as accountable as, as Dez, it's because Maggard should be just as accountable as Dez, just as accountable as his assistant ADs, just as accountable as the water boy, just as accountable as every single assistant coach. Nobody should be exempt from accountability. And I feel like we've lost that. And I feel like there's, again, a disconnect from Martin Hall. We put all this money behind the program, and now, you know what? We're just going to – we forgot who we are. Now we remember who we are. We're going to go back to the old ways. Until the mindset changes back to the way it was two, three years ago, we're going to be stuck in this purgatory for a really long time. And I said it last week. We are at a tipping point or a point in our program where we cannot fumble the ball. There were so many changes with NIL, with the CFP, with the way college football is changing and evolving. And if we don't put the resources and the creativity and the commitment to connect with the community behind all of our programs at this juncture, that could be the difference between us playing with the big boys and McNeese State being a two-time. We're going to play them twice a year because we're on the same level as them. Yeah, and we got to fund a new stadium.
Oh, oh, we got to find a new stand-up behind that, right? So, but but to your point, but to your point about the Martin Hall disconnect, I mean, it's very obvious to see if you followed this all along. They're mad at Maggard because he overspent. No, he didn't overspend. He came here and showed you what it took to win with Napier. He showed you what it costs to win and how to win. And as soon as a lot of those people were out the building, Martin Hall found every freaking excuse to go back to not spending money. And that's where we are now. And this is why I talk about the commitment to excellence. Look at App State. Six and six, sold out their season tickets for the next year, started the year off tough, and then went to a Sunbelt Conference champion, uh, championship and then went and won their bowl game. That is the difference between a, a, a program that is funded year in, year out with a commitment to excellence and held to a standard and a flash-in-the-pan program like us. We'll do it until it hurts, and then we quit. App State will continue to do it every year. Every, it doesn't matter who the coach is. doesn't matter who the players are. It doesn't matter. They have a commitment to excellence. We do not. We don't think like that in Martin Hall. We don't think like that in the athletics administration because 80% of those people are just looking. But This is their stepping stone to their next job. This isn't their job. They're looking ahead. They're padding the resume. That's what they care about. Meanwhile, fans like us who've been waiting all these years – to actually commit to a program that wins, finally understands and, and experiences what it's like to actually win as a Cajuns fan, and then they pull the rug out from under us right after we do it. And that's why nobody's at the damn games. Because we saw what it was to win, we saw what it took, and then they said, you know what, never mind. Well, give me a vision, right? Give me a vision. So when I remember, and I'll never forget, I went to Coach Hud's first ever um, fundraising presentation uh it was right after he had just gotten hired it was at abacus this was like december of 2010 so he had just gotten hired two weeks before and i remember it was it was the big rca rcaf boosters at the time uh, i think it was the board or somebody and the first thing he says when he opens up and it reminds me that you mentioned about the vision he said you know guys i have a vision and this vision now remember Going back in time, we had not won much. We didn't really have a consistent, successful program. Everything was new. He said, I have a vision. And the vision I have is I'm picturing us in the parking lot at the end of the season. We're celebrating at the end of this game because we just beat the Troy Trojans. And Troy had won the conference the year before. We had just beaten the Troy Trojans. I'm envisioning Cajun Nation partying in Cajun Fields parking lot because we're going. we won the conference and we're going to the New Orleans Bowl. That's my vision. And it's 25, 28,000 of us in that parking lot. We're celebrating. We're going to the New Orleans Bowl. And, and, and everybody's included. Everybody's in here. He said, but here's the thing. I said in the press conference, in order for us to win, we, well, I said in the press conference that we're ready to light the fuse. But here's the thing. Every single one of you, I want you in this room, as well as telling all of your friends, I need your help to light that fuse. I can't do it by myself. My coaching staff can't do it by myself. I need this community to light that fuse with me. What he was doing was he was getting the community involved in this vision that he had. My question is now, 13 years later, what are we doing as a program to get the community involved in this vision? And really, what is the vision, right? I would assume Coach Deggs talks about going to Omaha. Coach Glasgow wants to win champion national championships, go to Oklahoma City, host Super Regionals. I know that Des, you know, in spite of the last two years, wants to go to a New Year's Six. But here's where the athletic program, the athletics program comes in. And, and it kind of, it the, the, the message is bare, right? 
what is the vision from the athletics point of view or the athletics programs point of view to get the community involved to follow through with these visions? I just, I don't have an answer for it because I don't think it's there. I mean, could you guys help me with that? Where's, what's our vision right now? How, how, how's the community getting involved in that vision? When HUD, when coach HUD says, I need your help to light the fuse, I'll donate to that. I'll, I'll contribute to that. I'll participate with that. I'll go tell my friends about, the, about you saying that. And you know what? People feel like they're getting involved in this. They felt like they're a part of it. What are we doing today to feel like we're a part of something? Jerry, you know, you, but before you go, Josh, go I just want to say the best part. You remember we had Mike Alden come out, what, 2012, whatever year he came out and did a full, uh, you know, view of the, the athletics department. And if you dig into that, like you see a position by position evaluation of everyone involved in athletics. And there were some hard truths in that report. Let me tell you, there were some people that were not happy by what was said in that report, but there were hard truths. My question is, what have we followed out of that Alden report that we paid so much money for years ago? There were some changes made, a couple here or there, but when you look 12 years down the road, are we still following that vision? Because I still don't know what really the vision is. The vision when we hired Maggard, like you said, Josh, was we're going to be something the community can be proud of. We're going to, you know, commitment to athletics. But yet we sit here and it's, you hear nothing. Like, again, you had golden opportunities at top 25, Sunbelt Conference Championship, silence. We get into the NCAA tournament. We're, we're giving Tennessee a hell of a game, silence. I, so if you're not even asking people to come to the games, how can you expect people to come and support your program? We're not committed to athletics. That's a, that's a lie. We're not committed. The reason why HUD worked is not because of what he said, Jerry. It's what he did. People gave to his, his actions. Yeah, he talked a lot, and that's fine, and that helped some people. But he did things. He went and got you involved. He went to your business. He went and talked to your family. He talked to you in, in the restaurants and whatnot. He wasn't bigger or better than the common, the common guy. He did the Cypress Bayou Casino events, and he did all that stuff. It wasn't just what he said. It's what he did, and then he backed it up with winning. So, so this whole idea that we're committed to – Brian said he was committed to athletics. He said that uh, we're going to be top three in the conference or top four in the conference, whatever, every year, or we're going to make a change. Well, that hasn't happened. That's not true. This is, there's not a commitment there. It's all words. And Martin Hall enables that shit because they don't follow up with what they're supposed to continue to fund what needs to be funded in order for this athletics program to do what T. Joe said it's supposed to do, be the front porch of the university. Well, it's not. Enrollment's dropping, all right? Now, look, I know academics is doing well in some aspects, research dollars, et cetera. But enrollment's going down. They're freaking out about that. They're spending money on outreach for enrollment, but they are neglecting it in athletics. They still don't understand that it's a symbiotic relationship. They don't treat it as such. So until there's a commitment and somebody continues to follow through on that commitment, who, who the hell would even, like, why would you support it financially or otherwise? Why would you support it? I don't even get mad at people anymore. Like, it's a personal choice. I'm not going to support something that obviously doesn't give me an ROI. It doesn't do what they say they're going to do. If you if you gave to a charity that said they're going to save the whales and then they go buy a Honda instead, you're not going to give to the charity anymore. That's what the hell we do over here. And enrollment's dropping, but we're telling students, whoa, 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 you can't be students. <laughs> don't you dare be a student. That's all. That's a whole other thing. 
And I, I want to get to basketball before we go three hours, but that's a whole other podcast. You're telling the students they can't come to the freaking games. Yeah, it, it really is something else. And and there's so many different legs to this that we can go off on a tangent. But no, to your point, look, we've the point of the matter is there's obviously a disconnect. We've talked about this all the time. And, and look, something's got to give because right now, there's a lot of fans out there, again, talking to the fans in the Superdome, talking to fans after, you know, in the postgame. A lot of people have one foot out the door already. And until you know they have a mindset of show me, and until we have uh, proof that there is commitment from a standpoint that, a fa- that an ordinary fan can see, uh, it, we may get to a point of no return if we can't once again create fan engagement and promoting events being able to bring fans to the games and creating atmospheres. I mean, again, nobody wants to go to an empty, an empty venue for an event. They want to be able to go and say, did did I get my money's worth by spending however much I spent to come to these games? And was it fun? And until they do that, until they find a way to communicate with the fan base and engage in those efforts, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not, not unless you win big, not unless you win big. Can I comment on um, Dean's last comment about the fact that we didn't have outbound sales team uh, during all these things that we just talked about? Do you know how many golden opportunities over the last 20 years we've had to promote this program and, and launch it into another stratosphere? 2014, every major sport won the conference, went to the dance. Uh, we had a number one team in America, et cetera. That was under the Farmer administration. We did absolutely nothing with that. Absolutely nothing. There was no outbound sales. We didn't turn in anything. Hey, by the way, I think oil was $160 a barrel at that time. And that was under Farmer. One of the reasons why he got fired is because he couldn't figure out how to do that. Goose that laid the golden egg couldn't figure out how to turn that into money. And it still amazes me to this day. Here you go again. You got Napier. He brings all of this public attention to football, the number one money revenue uh, producer, revenue producing sport in America. It drives the bus for everything. Uh, we win 13 games in a row, home Sunbelt Conference Championship, top 20 um, ranking. He leaves. We do nothing for 18 months. We don't even hire replacements for the damn creative staff. Nothing. So how many times are we going to sit here and say, well, you know, we're building the outbound sales team. You know, I know we used to take season tickets on a notepad, but, you know, we're building a CRM now. And it's 2023, man. It's too late. College sports has changed so dramatically over the last three years. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in five years when the sales team is finally up and running and using the data it's collected? We have missed too many opportunities. That is, that is kind of the point as why we get so frustrated. We continually overachieve here because of the players and the coaches, and the admin finds a way to screw up the wet dream every single time. How much longer? How much longer are we going to go before we figure it the hell out? Look, as much as we complain about Maggard today, you know, Maggard has been a net positive for us. What's going to happen for the next guy? Are we going to, is he going to be a budget too, a budget higher as well? Because if he is, we're right back to, to Farmer. We're going to be at, ho- at, at, at Home Depot trying to build a deck in the outfield. Jerry will get a laugh out of that. Nobody knows that story. But, you know, we're in a very dangerous time where Martin Hall's not spending money and college athletics is leaving everybody behind. And we were right there on the precipice of being a player on the national stage. Napier brought us there. Deggs is bringing us there. Uh, Glasgow's bringing us there. Can't say the same about basketball, but we had opportunities in other areas. Look, I'm just going to say this, Jerry, before we go to basketball. I, there, there, I, can't, 
I'm not going to go into the, the the stories behind it because that would reveal who told me the stories. But there are so many things that I'm being told as far as the way things are being run from an administration standpoint, right? This is not a MAGA thing. This is more of a Martin Hall thing that remind me so much of when I was a student back in 1997 and we had to do purchase requisitions for the library. And instead of buying pens, they said, well, here are some pens we got at the bank. You can use these instead. I am getting stories about today, about the way things are being run, that I was getting back in 1997. That's got to be fixed. Totally agree. That's a good point. That's a good point. Time's changed. Time to join the 21st century in the way we do certain things. Anyway, guys, I'm going to run through this really quickly. Um, I know we've had a long conversation about administrative uh, solutions and issues and whatnot. We talked a little bit about football. Real quickly, women's basketball. Okay, so the Cajuns played. Uh, a game the other day on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon against North Texas. Uh, Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies drop a game to North Texas by the score of 71 to 48. Uh, their record now sits at three and five. Just a reminder for anybody who wants to stop by the Cajun Dome on a lunch break Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Um, they play LSU Shreveport at 11 a.m. This is the education game. So if you want to hear the Cajun Dome rocking with 3,000 kids screaming, uh, go head over to the Cajun Dome. Go watch Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies take on LSU Shreveport. Again, 11 a.m. And uh, admission is free. And the game will be played on ESPN Plus, or you can listen on the Varsity Network, uh, 103.3 The Goat, or 14.20 a.m. All right, guys. The grand finale, men's basketball. I know this is kind of the what everybody's been waiting for, or at least most people that we've talked to have been waiting for. Okay, so the Cajuns, again, we talked about it with Dave. Cajuns went to Lake Charles uh, yesterday, lost in a close game to the Magnese Cowboys by the score of 74-72 at the Legacy Center in front of a sellout crowd of 4,300 4, fans. Uh, the Cajuns now sit at 6-5. and five. They'll travel to Rice uh, and play the Owls on Friday night before heading to Marshall after the New Year break to start conference play. Um, just some stats real quickly from the game against Magnese, just to give a little bit of, uh, of content here. Uh, Cajuns were 48% from the field, 38.9% from three-point range. They rebounded. Uh, they had 24 rebounds, out-rebounded by Magnese uh, by five because Magnese had 29 rebounds. Cajuns had 23 fouls to Magnese's 17, and Cajuns had 32 points in the paint to Magnese's 28. Uh, this is the first win. Uh, for the Cowboys against the Cajuns in nine games. And um, yeah, they stormed the court. It was a big win for them. Obviously, the way they reacted on social media and everything, you would have thought they went to the Final Four. Uh, the way I looked at it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who their coach is. It doesn't matter how good they are. To me, it's still McNeese. We lost to them. They beat us. So um, let's get down to business. Um, just, I just want to ask what you guys thought about the game. And, and I'll just tell you real quickly before you go. Um, we made a comment on Rage Review. We posted on Facebook as well as all over social media platforms that, uh, look, Magnese had three technical fouls. Cajuns had two. Magnese, with those three technical fouls, all three players were ejected. And the Cajuns were up by as much as 13 points with 10 minutes to go uh, and still blew the lead. Uh, we commented on that on the basketball, the basketball fan uh, Facebook page. We also commented on our own page and um, got a lot of mixed reactions for the most part. Most agreed. There were a few that didn't, which is what we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, I'm just going to say, uh, yesterday, there were a lot of upset fans, a lot of fans that just kind of threw their hands up. And there were some that, once again, are talking about the reason why we lost is because 
uh, of of refs. And it's his third time we've heard it. We heard it against Sanford, where we lost by 23. We heard it against Louisiana Tech. Now we're hearing it against Magnese. And to me, I just think it's time to be accountable. So we'll get into the conversation now. Josh is like a Rottweiler ready to growl and bite. Josh, you know what, man? The floor is yours. Have at it. I'd like to just quickly do a synopsis of the game, all of us, and then we talk about the program because we got to talk about the program. I'm going to say this. I give the the Cajuns defense, in particular, in particular their perimeter defense, outstanding. The best I've seen in a while. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. South Alabama at home last year was very, very good, uh, the perimeter defense. But but as far as this season goes, I was impressed with the defensive effort from the guards and around the uh, three-point line. You can't take that away from them. They played hard. Players as a whole played hard. Everybody played hard. The effort was there. You can't question that at all. Uh, Katinje, Hosanna Katinje, awesome. Uh, he dominated the first half, and it's it's a, a crime that we didn't go to him more down on the block in the second half. We'd have won the game easily, and I'll, I'll continue to say that. If you're blaming the refs for what happened, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, flat out. It's not always the refs. The refs in Ruston are bad. The refs in Lafayette are bad. The refs in Lake Charles are bad. Everybody's bad. It's always the refs. It's never Bob. It's never the team. It's always the damn refs. We didn't lose because of the refs. McNeese played the, the final 10 minutes with the same five guys. Three of their players were ejected, two of which were starters. Okay, And we shot six consecutive th free throws, which we made five of those, and we hit two three-pointers right after that to go up 13 to nothing with about 10 minutes left to go in the game. You can't lose that game. At the end of the day, it's McNeese. I don't care what we should never lose to McNeese in basketball for sure, and mostly anything else. We should never lose to McNeese. We left them in the dust 20, 25 years ago. It's ridiculous and embarrassing that some of you people are defending, well, we played well. Well, we played hard. It's McNeese. And if you want to sit there and tell me that they're good because of the transfer portal and because of NIL, well, guess what? The transfer portal and the NIL is available to our coach too. So guess what? Somebody has to take some accountability here, all right? You're telling me that Will Wade in two weeks made a better team than Bob Marlin has in 13 years? Give me a break. We've still never beaten a top 100 RPI net team under the Bob Marlin era. Still to this day. Non-conference, Jerry. I know it's a non-conference. Have never beaten a non-conference top 100 team in America under the Bob Marlin. That's 13 years under the Bob Marlin era. And that continued with McNeese on the road, who I think was number 41, actually dropped seven spots when they played us because that's how bad our net ranking is. Anyway, I was not impressed with McNeese. Inside game was non-existent. They hit some big shots. Overall, I was not impressed with how, how we played in the second half. We went away from Katinje, and, uh, you know, we got sloppy with the ball late. And that's it. And uh, I'll give it to Nick. Well, that was a lot, Josh. Um, look, I am I, – I think – I. One, I agree with someone. Why are we still playing McNeese? That goes back to the whole scheduling thing. Um, do I think McNeese has a decent team? I think McNeese has a decent team. I, it, it's here's here's the part that that pisses me off as a fan. Not the fact that we lost, but the fact that perception wise, this was just such a just it just decimated us perception wise. Because I didn't know McNeese's colors were purple and gold. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody's a McNeese fan. I have never, I will be, I have never in my life, outside of games like that, that we're playing McNeese, have ever met a McNeese fan in person. I've never seen a McNeese shirt. It's like Louisiana Tech fans. 
I don't know where they come from when they have games, but you can never find them anywhere. So I think the hit to the perception wise and everything that happened last night was the most disappointing part. Um, I, I don't disagree with anything you said, Josh. I do think McNeese is, is, is a pretty good team. And I think, look, they're going to win the Southland. Now, the fact that we're talking about the fact that we lost to a Southland team, you know, that that's a whole different conversation. And I don't think we should ever lose to a Southland team. But when you beat them eight years in a row, they're gonna, they're bound to win eventually. So I, I get all of that. But again, we go back to the excuses. Here we go with the excuses again. Well, it's the rest. Well, it's the dude, you got your buck kit. Just say, just say, you know what? They were the better team. They beat us tonight and we're going to look forward. And here's how we're going to fix it. And I didn't hear that. I didn't hear, I, I, I heard a lot of, well, you know, I, the first five minutes of the, the press conference was like, well, you know, we got two guys teed. I agree. Look, the Katinje, th that tech was stupid. But when you're told beforehand, you do this, you will get a tech. And then you do that and get a tech. You can't, you can't blame anybody but yourself. So we had the opportunity so many times in that game to put it away. I mean, you would think up 13. It was like, who, who were we playing with where we were up 16 and we blew that game? Toledo. Toledo. You're up 16, you blow the game. And it, it was the same thing here. You're up 13. You were gifted five point, or, or five free throws. You know what the excuse was after Toledo? After the, the 16 point lead? The refs. Oh, well, they had more. We, they had 20 some foul shots. We had seven. Well, you were up 16 and you still lost, okay? Louisiana Tech. always. But, but here, here's Tech, Stanford. Here's, but here's what we go back to. You're coming off of a tournament appearance against Tennessee, NCAA tournament appearance, and I get you lose Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown ain't the only reason we made it to, I would hope, you got to have somebody behind him, and your recruiting has to be good enough to say, okay, well, what happens? Jordan Brown was hurt last season, wasn't he? For quite a few games. We played without Jordan Brown for quite a bit, and we still made it to the NCAA tournament. So, I... You know, I, I get all of the, but that there we go again with the excuses. Well, we lost Jordan. Well, it's the officiating. Well, it's this. We're, we're, this ain't an experiment anymore. And again, like football, I mean, it's almost parallel. Like you have no, you have no, the, the, the fan support is not there. You've got a very core group of people that if you talk about bad about basketball, then you're, you're a terrible, horrible person. So, Look, there, there are so many things that need to be addressed from the, 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 the recruiting standpoint. If you lose one player, well, your entire, look, and I know, look, I know basketball is different. I know if you lose a big player, you're going to take a step back, but blowing 16 point, 13 point leads, blaming the refs, blaming this, blaming that, blaming whatever. We're the biggest getting, game. Getting blown out by a Southern conference team. At some point, somebody's got to be held accountable for that. And it seems like, again, we just throw our hands up and say, well, it is what it is. We're happy with the status quo, but we graduate players, right? We graduate players. So we, no, we Nick, have to be. No, Nick, we keep them alive. He should get credit for that. We have to be the only team in America where our where, where a fan base uses player eligibility as an incentive. It's as if, like, because our players are eligible, they deserve this or they deserve that. I've never seen like that is one of my biggest criticisms because part of the job is to make sure your players are eligible. It's not an incentive. We treat it like it's an incentive. At the end of the day, 
the head coach is the guy who's responsible for everything with basketball. He's responsible for, to me, he's responsible for, he's partially responsible for getting butts in the seats. He's responsible for doing community outreach. He's responsible for helping get donors on board. He's responsible for recruiting. He's, he's the guy in charge. And I can't, I mean, when's the last, has he ever spoken at a Rotary Club meeting? Has he ever, have you ever heard of any public appearances that he's out there trying to connect with the community? I haven't. He just found out last year that he could raise money. He told people, wow, I should have been doing this my whole time. This, so, is, this is the coach we have. Again, I am not, we all sat here. We all sat here and said, he deserves an extension. But we didn't say he deserves a, an extension for, for another three years. You know, I think I think two years would have been fair. I think two years, and like you said, incentive-based, 100%. You get another two if you do this and that. But you got to think, I mean, how, how many more years does Bob want to coach? But but then again, if you're getting paid to just status quo, I'm hey, hell, I'll coach for the rest of my life getting paid five hundred some thousand dollars no a accountability. year. Why me? would he walk away? Why would you walk away from a paycheck when all you gotta do is kind of be all right? So if you're good, if you're good with getting beat by Southland Conference teams, blowing sixteen point leads, making two tournament appearances in fourteen years, God bless you. But to the average fan, it ain't. Well, here's the problem, and I'm just going to list some. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just go off this list that I found from, you know, random people I've talked to, uh, more of the diehard fans. I'm just going to give you a list of things I've heard of why we lost to Magnese. The reading social media, going on the fan pages and stuff. Let's see. Uh, against Sanford, Louisiana Tech, and Magnese, all three losses, okay? Which, by the way, we've lost the last three out of four games. I heard it from every game. It was the refs. It was the refs. Every loss was because of the refs. Um, uh, an excuse we heard a few years ago while we were losing on the road is because we don't charter flights. We have to get on a bus or we have to fly, you know, get on a plane on the airliners and fly, you know, fly coach. We don't get to charter flights. That's another reason one of, why. That's one of my personal favorites. Um, uh, another thing I heard yesterday was they played hard. Well, yeah, you played hard. I mean, what You think these players are just going to lollygag up and down the court? Of course they played hard. That doesn't change the fact that you still lost and it should be acceptable to lose to Magnese. It's still Magnese. Uh, oh, another one I heard uh, from a fan that I saw on social media. Uh, Magnese is so good they can win a national championship. That was new. <laughs> Wait, no, no, wait. <laughs> no, time out. That's, that's got to be, that's that, gotta be Marlon's burner. Has um, to be. Let's see. Um, the the let's see magnese is senior laden we have no seniors that was one i heard you know on the radio or that's what I've, i heard in the post-game press conference they have they have too many seniors we have no seniors the, the whole which, team is portal the whole team is portal um, so they've they played what eight game ten games together <laughs> i guess uh another one is uh our players don't make the nil money that magnese makes even though people forget that magnese had to hire will wade because magnese had lost three thousand students in enrollment so they needed a, a pep in their step to their program. So that's why they got Will Wade. But yet somehow they have all this NIL money. We don't. So wait, Jerry, um, let me ask a question. Are you telling me that people really believe that Lake Charles, Louisiana, and McNeese, Ryan Street High is who we call them, they have more NIL opportunities than that's, Lafayette, Louisiana? Does that does Am I supposed to believe that? That's what I read. Uh, With Wade, who? Wade, IHOP? Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Apparently, look, Wade. Wade has Steamboat Bills. Wade has uh four like four hundred thousand dollars, and we have eighty thousand or something like that. Apparently, I was told. Um, well, maybe if you won more damn games that meant and, something, you would get more nil. And, um, let's see. Another one I heard was um oh and oh our, our attendance average. By the way, we average seventeen hundred fans right now. Apparently, according to something I read, apparently we have the uh, highest attendance in in the league or the best attendance in the league. I looked it up. I ran the numbers. We're ninth out of 14 schools. So nine and nine doesn't equal first. So I, I don't know where that came from. That's um, frightening delusion. Let's see. What else do I have? Um, oh, uh, of course, you know, this is the best atmosphere ever, according to Magnus. And, and it was a great atmosphere, but biggest home crowd in conference or whatever. And let's see, what are some other things? So that's just a list of the past 24 hours that I've read on social media and on fan boards and on pages to justify losing to Magnese. And that's our fans. And I, and look, I don't want to call out fans, but that's the reason why the, what, what I just read to you is why the fan base is apathetic right there. That's why we average. That's why we had 1400 people against Eastern Kentucky when you know that wasn't 14, there wasn't 1400 people. I mean, we saw the crowd. I mean, he probably had like 500 people, but to say that Magnese can win a national championship and, and, and they have more NIL money than us. Well, how is it that Magnese who literally had to hire Will Wade because their enrollment dropped by 3000 students. This is a school that was unfortunately and, and tragically damaged from two back-to-back hurricanes and, and they're still rebuilding their city and they're still trying to, to get their to get their spirits up right and yet they have the resources that we don't that that's that's our fault that's not their fault that doesn't justify them beating us yesterday well jerry if they steal money from a children's hospital then we'll understand how everything comes full circle <laughs> well they're all they're all lsu fans so it would make perfect sense it would but- make complete sense but but look, we're getting a lesson from Lake Charles on how to re-inject life into our program. Is that what I'm hearing here? It's a joke, man. Look, I understand that nowadays you can quickly change your roster over and make a good team. The bottom line is they're still McNeese and they're still in Lake Charles. I don't want to hear that. Um, the the delusion and the the defending of this Marlin era has gotten to frightening levels. Uh, this NIL thing, like. Do you not understand by saying that Wade and Lake Charles has more NIL opportunities than we do? That's actually telling you how bad of a program Bob Marlin is running. Do do they do these sycophants not understand that that's what they're actually saying? Well, Josh, you don't give to NIL, so you can't say anything. And you weren't at the game yesterday. Remember that one? Well, here's the thing about that. I actually had tickets to the game, and I was going to go to the game, but I had player tickets. And when they sold out the game... Which, by the way, there was you know thousand empty seats. But when they sold out the game, McNeese took back the player tickets, so I got yeah. screwed out of tickets. So if that guy who said that I didn't go to the game, uh, so I don't get to say, look, I didn't go to the moon, but I know we went there. I, I know what the moon looks like. So look, I, I, I'm I'm just so tired of these people. This, this this is the same guy who said there was a black cloud over the program when Farmer got fired. That's the kind of guy we're talking about here. All right, look, until the. Everybody, every, that's what I was telling Nick earlier. Every fan base has its delusional folks. Every fan base has its president of the whatever rebounder club that chases around the AD like ours does. Everybody has that. The problem with our program is, is that those are the people that run the show because they're dumb enough to pay the bills under a sinking ship. 
We are a sinking ship as a program under Bob Marlin. He has a small group of people that pay the bills, and Maggard has to listen to what they have to say because nobody else is going to pay those bills. It is truly a sad situation. And when you say that, and when you say the truth, and you say those things out loud, they send their little minions on the Twitter spaces and the Twitter uh, realm, and they send them on Raging Page and to say how bad of a person you are for saying the truth because you're attacking people. It's not attacking anybody. It's cold, hard facts. You just don't want anybody to know that. It is inappropriate. The relationship between the coach's wife, the AD's wife, and the rebounder club president is inappropriate because these are the people making the decisions for the future of the program. It's too incestuous, and it's holding us back. We're not going anywhere. We're stuck in neutral. The fans are telling you what they think. I don't have to get on here and say this. Nobody goes to your games. Nobody cares about your product. You just had Schultz on here saying they went to the dance in 2014, 2015. Nobody called because people were done with Marlon at the time. We got lucky with Alfred Payton. Well, this, this is what happened. Give him credit. Yeah, we did. We beat Georgia State in that in that championship game and went to the dance. Sure. What happened after that? Nothing. We wasted Sean Long, a generational talent here. We did nothing the majority of his career here. But but coming back to 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 modern day, we are held hostage. I want everybody to understand this. I'm being serious. We are held hostage by a small group of selfish. Rich people that have way too much damn time on their hands and they're sucking the life out of the program at the detriment of it to its fan base and the people like us who actually care about the program. We care about the program. They care, they care about their seat on the plane next to Bob. They care about their spot at the pool party and their chicken tenders. That's what they care about. They want to be friends with the coach. They want to bounce on his lap when things are going great. And then when things are going bad, they feel good and like they have a cause to represent when they go and tell us how bad we are because we're telling you what all is actually happening in the program. So that's what's going on. And they can get mad all they want. I really don't care. They can hate me all they want, but the truth is the truth. They know it. Comments made by Man About Town are not reflective of the Rage and Review <laughs> LLC podcast. Yes. Good. Hey, good. Tell you, say the disclaimer. Look, you, you got Jenny Marlin on the damn uh, Facebook page yesterday attacking fans and talking about how refs this and refs that. When you point out the fact that refs are always the excuse, she tells you you need anger management. Did you see that? You need anger management problems because you're pointing out that refs are why we lost. Why are you on the internet arguing with, with fans? And you wonder why 400 people show up to your freaking games. How embarrassing. It's high school level shit. It's what it is. Well, just a fun fact. So leading up to the game yesterday, um, I know Coach Marlin had mentioned, I think we had won 24 straight games against Southland competition. Actually, I looked it up. I think it was 21. Uh, we had won 21 straight uh, Southland games up until yesterday's game against Magnese. But something interesting that stuck out, out of those 21 Southland schools that we beat, 21 straight, six of them, had winning records. Anyways, go on. Well, Jerry, but Jerry, let's, but it's not about the fact that we're losing to a Southland conference team last. I mean, that's bad enough in itself because again, perception wise, like I said, I never knew that their colors were purple and gold. Besides that fact, it goes back to me saying, what is the signature win for this program? We, we always poo poo the bed when we have an opportunity to assert ourselves. Like, last night was the perfect opportunity. You have Will Wade, who you have a history of, that you know they're... And then you got McNeese. So you got two people who who you know are coming for you. And you know they're going to throw out every piece of effort they have because they know the history and they want to kick your ass. And, and it seems like every time we have that opportunity, 
to prove ourselves, we get embarrassed. And I'm not saying a two-point loss is embarrassed. I'm talking about the grand scheme of things. I cannot name one team in the past 14 years that I'm like, that was that was the game. That, that was the one that we won that was a statement game for the program. Uh, again, you, when you point to Iowa and you were like, oh, well, they were a 500 team. Okay, well, then that's not a statement win. Without their best player, didn't even make the tournament. Right, so... That's that's a problem I have is is that we still we we've this this continues to go on and then every time you have the opportunity to to assert yourself you you lay an egg. Well, to to Dave's point and Dave brought up a good point about our home schedule. Our home schedule's been bad. Let's just call it what it is. Our home schedule's been bad. We don't draw teams that people know. And when you ask why and 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 say well, why, how come App State gets to get Auburn to go to their place. And why does South Alabama get both Auburn and Alabama to come to their place? And we get Louisiana Christian and, you know, I don't know. East Tennessee State. <laughs> Eastern Kentucky. Well, they're just because it's it's Coach Marlin. They're afraid of Coach Marlin to cut. They, they just know they're going to lose. And I'm thinking, what is it? These people home, really believe that. Is it the home court advantage? Because I know we're winning games and all, but. I don't, we're drawing 1700 people. Is it that loud in the 12,000 seat arena that, you know, is it the, what is it? Because obviously it's that's because our RPI is 250 every year. That's why, because that's not the case. Like, obviously that's not the case. It's not because, uh, you know, we have this just crazy home court advantage. And I know we won 19 straight. I'm not taking anything away from that. But if you draw a team that like an Auburn, that is, you know, upper echelon college basketball, I mean, you can't you can't bring them in. It's not. I don't think it's because of well, they're just intimidated to play us. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that. I just think we, you know, I, I don't. I know first of all, we don't do the two for one, which I, in my opinion, we should start doing that. I think App State is doing the two for one. That's how they got Auburn to come to their place. We need to do the two for one. And secondly, if you want to get fans interested to come to your game, you have to bring in opponents that they know. They know you. You can't bring in these NAIA teams and expect to for people to show up especially when the crazy outlandish cajun dome ticket prices come into play i mean again we're we just made a tournament run and we're averaging 1700 people now some of the stuff we talked about just just now about the magnese loss you know that's one thing but you want to talk about fan feedback you don't need a survey to look at the crowds you don't need a fan survey to see we're averaging 1700 people and we're ninth in the conference in attendance when we're supposed to be considered a proud basketball program, a historical program, that to me, that's that's the fans doing all the talking with with that type of lackluster attendance numbers. As a fan, you have a couple of tools to show your displeasure, your money and your feet. You don't show up and you don't give. And that's what's happening here. Until somebody starts paying attention to that, nothing's going to change. And to your point about the 20-game home win streak, six non-D1s and two winning teams, that's who we've beaten at the Cajun Dome. I put the list on Raging Pajan. I mean, is that something that everybody's going to be, oh, my God, we're winning in the Dome. We're not winning in the Dome. We're playing nobody. So, I don't know. I know I'm not going to get excited about that. No regular fan would, especially when you have a, a, a program. Now, not this year, but you have a program down the road who's playing an SEC schedule. Well, but you see, what does softball do? What does softball do to, to make up for their their wins in conference right because their conference is weak our conference is weak at times in softball now granted we added some teams so that should help but in the past what did we do we would go on the road to oklahoma we would go on the road to florida and we would do home and homes with them but the difference was we beat those teams 
You know, I remember when Oklahoma came to Lafayette in 2014, we took two out of three from them. You know, we play Texas every year. We beat them at times. We beat Texas A&M at times. We beat all these big time schools that have a budget that's 10 times as much as us, right? That's what, bas- honestly, that's what basketball needs to do. Basketball needs to go on the road. To, when, when you're, when, you know, you talk about the 27 win season, yet the same year, the 27 win season, you go to Ole Miss and you lose by 18. Ole Miss finished last in the SEC that year. You know, you, you go to Kansas and yes, you give Kansas a game, but you lose by 13 and, and you're patting yourself on the back because, oh, well, we gave Kansas a game. You still lost by 13. Heck, the year we played Baylor, Baylor beats us 110 or 120 to 80. They beat us by 30 or 40. And we have people bragging on social media that we, oh, we scored the most points against Baylor because they won the national was, title. We lost that was by the 30 coach. points. The coach said that. The coach who we're talking about, he's the person who posted that. Talking about, well, we scored all, we, we scored the second or third most points against the national champion. You lost by 30. What do you, like, oh, well, we scored 30. It's like a football game. Well, we scored 35 points against this team. And then you give up 70, right? It's the same thing. But you still lost by 30. Let me add on to that. Aside from that, okay? So what are we, 19-game win streak? Are we 20 yet? What are we? What are we I at? think 20 for EKU. Okay, so we're, we're, we're at a 20-game win streak. 19. We're at 19 right now. 19, 20. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. Where do they promote it? They send out a tweet, right? They send out a tweet and they have this cute little graphics, which, by the way, I'm not hating on the graphics people. They do a hell of a job. But they have a little graphic yeah, all right. that says 19-game win streak, you know, whatever. Who are the fans that are currently showing up to the basketball games? They're not on Twitter. <laughs> Most the of funeral them. home. They, they might be on Facebook, maybe. Right. They figured out probably Rage and Pagin, right? Because they've been doing that for 20 years. So... You've, you've got you've got an older fan base that doesn't engage via social media. So then you're you're doing these things and not not a whole lot. Like you're sending one or two tweets out sharing this. So even though it's a crappy 19 game win streak, what you're doing is not even like you're not even cultivating the younger generation because we've talked about that. Like we don't have a younger generation of fans. So your answer to promote the game is to send out tweets for the current fans that don't even view the tweets and the people that you're sending the tweets to aren't interested in the program because you're not engaged with them. So you're not really doing anything. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, did it really fall? Like it's the same thing. If you send out a tweet, nobody pays attention to it. Did you really send it? Like, does, does it even matter? The fact of the matter is, Nick, is, and this is to me the common denominator of this program, if you want to get people interested, is you got to cultivate a fan base. You can't keep it within the same people, the same group, which, by the way, I know a lot of these people, they give money, they support their school, and I appreciate that. But at the same time, you got to grow the fan base. You got to grow these groups. You got to grow the support because it's not there, especially for the games. It's not there. But it's the same there. people that are paying the bills are gatekeeping. They're the same ones well, that are making the fan base not grow. Stop gatekeeping. They Start won't. It's their little social club. That's why I've always said that. I don't know. I just think right now, I, it, there, there's to me, there should be sirens going off uh, with the fact that we're averaging 1,700 fans through four games after. I will keep run. screaming this until somebody listens that we are at a crossroads and we cannot continue to do what we're doing and be successful. If you want to play Ryan Street High twice a week or twice a year, this is how you do it. This is how you become peers with McNeese. This is how you become peers with teams you've never heard of. It's by 
doing what you're doing and not adapting and not changing, especially in this environment with college football, everything else is going to follow right with it. So we, if we're not going to be part of that conversation, if you think 1700 in the dome is bad, wait till you got about a hundred in the dome. Cause nobody's going to go watch us play McNeese twice a year or, or Lamar twice a year or whoever we've never heard Jacksonville state twice a year. Nobody's going to care about that. But that's the that's the direction you're going if you don't start to adapt because that's exactly what the bigger schools want is to relegate us to that level of play. And we're yes. we're we're buying right into it, baby. And and have a vision, right? Have a vision. When you lose, don't blame the refs. Have some accountability. Don't use an excuse that we don't charter flights on road games and that it, it makes our players tired for the game. Just, you know, don't like don't make these excuses. Just have accountability and say what can we do to be better? And be open to it. Have a conversation. Ask. There's a lot of look. There's a lot of fans out there right now that whether they're listening here, they're around, they're there. They just want to feel welcomed. They just want to feel like they want to be a part of this. And for some reason, there's a disconnect to 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 the fans of of they they don't feel people don't feel welcomed. You remember Fear the Beard? That was one of the best marketing campaigns we've ever had for basketball. Oh, people fantastic. showed it because people people identified with a player and he was out there he was in the community and people wanted to be a part of something fun and Fear the Beard was a thing. We've done nothing since. Well, we they just, threw him off the team the next year. Right. We just cross our hands and say, "Okay, let's let's go to dinner." And, and, you know, be a part of, of the Insiders Club, but nobody else is allowed. So, but, but we're there, but, you know, it's for me, right? That's being but, selfish. But you can't, and that's the thing though, Nick, you can't say that, you know, we don't, we only, we're trying to cultivate a fan base and then you go into the Cajun Dome and it's empty and you tell people that this attendance is okay because, well, basketball's dead in the South. This basketball isn't what it used to be. We got ESPN+. Plus. We're ninth in attendance. We're ninth in the Sun Belt in attendance. It's not because of all those factors. It's because there's a disconnect and people aren't showing up. You say we say we can't cultivate a fan base. Who outside of us three are talking about a fan base? With the anybody involved with UL athletics? Who has well, talked anything about increasing that, attendance at basketball games? I was getting ready to say that. Jerry keeps talking about a vision. This is their vision. This is the vision they want. I don't. They want to sit in the dome with nobody next to them, two miles away from them. They want to eat their Werther's Original and eat their soft serve ice cream. This is their vision. That's but what nobody, people need to understand. But not. But but aside from those people, Josh, nobody is saying. Nobody is coming out and saying, "Yeah, we need more people. Like we need. We need a. Here's what we're going to do to attract the community. Nobody from the administ from the people who who run the show." Are coming out here saying we have a problem. There's no problem. So, so from everybody's point of view, we don't have a problem. This is great. This is wonderful. Well, it's going to have to change really soon because right now it's not. It's not working. It's not working. When you're ninth in attendance and you're coming off a tournament run, it's not working. So, I don't know what the solution is. All I know is that. It needs to happen. And actually, you know, I do know a solution. Go find more fans. Go cultivate a fan base and welcome them. How about uh, you come on, on the Rage and Review podcast and tell everybody how you're going to fix these problems? Yes, it's, accept our invitations to come and talk to us and have a real conversation. You saw with Dave. You saw everybody else we've ever interviewed. We're going to treat you fairly. We're just, you know, we're just a couple of regular people care about the program. That's all. We know a lot of these people behind closed doors, guys. We know. I know. <laughs> it's I know. the funny thing about it. But... 
anyway, guys, well, look, we've been here very, very long, uh, long winded, long time, a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of material, a lot of venting, but I don't know. I don't really feel that much better after this weekend. I'm still kind of sour, but guys, any parting thoughts before we go? Uh, it's not the end of the world, <laughs> uh, but if we don't quickly as an institution decide that we're truly committed to athletics again, because we've been there, then we're going to get relegated to competing with people who are not our peers now, but will be our peers in the future. And so we need to wake up as a collective institution We've got to fund the athletic department like they need to be funded to be successful. And we need leadership to step up and tell us how things are going to be better in the future. Status quo isn't acceptable anymore. In, in the world that is changing around us, everybody is adapting. Everybody's getting better. Everybody's planning. Everybody's doing things to position themselves. What are we doing Look, we shouldn't, a, a podcast shouldn't be doing the state of the Louisiana athletics. That should be coming from athletic department. So that's what we need. Uh, annually, we need a state of athletics and we need to hear from it. Not a select few that get to go and watch it. We need as a fan base, as a community, if you want to do outreach, give us a state of Louisiana athletics. Tell us where you think we are and tell us where the vision is. And then maybe you'll get people interested again. But the, the business of being hush-hush and secret and, and maintaining status quo will get us relegated to where we're competing with teams like McNeese twice a year. And I'm not interested in that as a fan, and I won't support that as a fan. This program reminds me of an old Chris Rock joke, but it's so perfect. He, the joke was something like, as Americans, you see the commercials on TV of the starving kids in all these foreign countries, right? And, and he'd say... Why do we wait until they're starving to feed them? Why don't we feed them when they're hungry? It's like somebody goes up to these charities and goes, hey, we need to feed these starving kids in Africa. And the, the charities go, oh, no, wait for the flies. Wait for the flies. It'll be fine. That's where we are. The alarm bells are going off everywhere you look. And we're going to wait for the damn flies to come in and be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we should do something about it. No, let's do it now. While there's still some level of health to the program, while people still give a give a f word a, a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, let's try to do something now. People have told you what they think of the Marlin era. It's over. Do something now. People are telling you what's going on with the Des era, and I'm not saying to fire Des. I'm going back to make sure that there's accountability in the program now. We got to look at women's basketball. Women's basketball is not very good. Somebody needs to have a sit-down talk. And I like Gary. Across the board, the standard needs to be raised. We don't need to wait for the damn flies. Let's feed them when they're hungry, not when they're starving. That's what I think about when I think about the program. And then my last thought about that, people in the Rebounders Club and people that, that listen to this podcast and get mad about what I say, first of all, I don't really care what you think. But second of all, stop going to my friends and my associates and my Rage and Review buddies and telling them how much you want to talk to me or uh, well, what's the problem with him. Look, you see this little handle down here? It says Kanai Matt at Kanai Matt on Twitter. I'm easy to find. I'm happy to have a conversation. I'll say the exact same things to your face as I say on this show. Hit me up. Let's have a talk. Don't go run to them. It's none of them. It's, it's, they don't need to be talked to. Talk to me. I'm happy to talk to you. I'll say the same things. That's it. 
Before you go, Jerry, I just want to say, maybe think of something, Josh. That's important for people to hear because I know people hold baseball and softball close to their hearts because we've been so successful. But we are one step away from either one of those programs going in the same exact direction as we're seeing with our other two programs right now. So if you don't think if you think they're untouchable and we're going to have infinite success there. It's it's quite possible that those could end up going in the same direction if we don't commit as an athletic department as a whole to all of our sports across the board and hold them to the same standard as you hold a baseball and softball. If you don't do that, that tells me they're also one step away from mediocrity. So if you're good with mediocrity, then that's the bed that 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 you can lay in in, in a few years. Great point. We must protect diamond sports at all costs. And on that note, that's going to do it for tonight for Razor Review. To everybody who chimed in, for everybody who listened, thank you so much for staying up with us this late. It's always good to vent, talk about Raging Cajun sports, because at the end of the day, win or lose, we're still diehards. We still bleed the vermilion and white. Just a reminder, guys, again, tomorrow at the Cajun Dome, 11 o'clock, Tuesday, or at the Cajun Dome at 11 o'clock, Cajuns women's basketball takes on LSU Shreveport education game. Uh, and again, admission is free if you're – Want to take a quick lunch break? Go stop by. Go support the ladies. Also, too, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Chiromed, and as well as Miss Phyllis and Absolutely Embroidery and more. Check those local businesses out. They support the pod. They support the Cajuns. But also, it's always good to support the community. If you like what we do, follow us, love, like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok. You can also listen to us on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. So we're going to take a little bit of a break in the next few weeks. I know sports will kind of take a break as well. We're going to enjoy the Christmas and holiday season. We'll be back once the New Year clock strikes 12. We'll be back to talk more basketball and then pretty much preview some diamond sports. Baseball and softball are on its way. But for Nick, for Josh, I'm Jerry. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We are the Razor Review Podcast. In the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. Everybody, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. See you next year in 2024. Goodbye, everybody.